Well, good evening. How's it going? Good. We uh, are in the. Are you good there, bud? Are we on? Okay. We're uh, we're we're in Advent season, and I I don't know if you noticed or not. I started a video series for every day of Advent. So uh, if you haven't got the message on that, we we tried this. We we made the decision to not text message every single person every single day in the month of December. We thought that might get a little overwhelming. We thought we might have more people unsubscribe than we really wanted to, so uh, we didn't want to do that. But uh, every day we, we are sending out an email uh, with the Advent, uh, the daily Advent video. Uh, if you don't get that email or don't know where to find that, you can go to the YouTube, uh, our YouTube channel, FBC Mount Shasta, and find those there. You can also find it on Facebook. It's uploaded to Facebook uh, or our podcast. It's just something for encouragement. It's, it's a short little devotion to prompt your season of Advent, your time of Advent, of, of waiting for the Messiah, of waiting for Jesus. So if you know me, I love Christmas. I love Christmas. I love this time of the year. I love uh, celebrating Jesus' birth and focusing more and more on him. Uh, I think it's, it's so important. It's, it's of the utmost importance in our families and uh, even in our individual lives to, to make sure that, that our minds and our hearts are, are squarely planted on Jesus. They're focused on Jesus and we're we're wanting and watching and waiting for what he would do in and through us and for us uh, by the power of his, his spirit and uh, through the work of the cross uh, and the sun. So, uh, so today I, I'm filling in for Hoyt. Uh, Hoyt is with his dad. His dad had kind of a, a medical thing going on, so they're taking care of him. Um, and uh, I, I said I'd totally fill in for him. But with that, I'm, I'm out of Malachi and I'm, we're going to look at Christmas. We're going to look at uh, the Christmas story. We're in December, so we might as well. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 2. If you want to turn your Bibles to Luke uh, and chapter 2, I'd appreciate that. And then uh, we'll go on to some other passages there as well. Um, some of this is uh, what you'll hear uh, in the upcoming uh, days and weeks uh, surrounding Advent. But I, I really thought it would, I just, it, this really stuck in my heart. So uh, there's a little bit of a devotion based on this, uh, this uh, maybe this week or next week. But uh, it, this is really something that really stood out to me, and I really wanted to go more in depth uh, and so I thought this would be a great way to go more in depth uh, tonight. We are also starting our Christmas series uh, coming up this uh, this Sunday. So love that. I'm so excited about that. Hope you prepare uh, your heart and your family to uh, just get excited about Christmas um, coming up. So we are in Luke uh, chapter two. Let me get there. There we go. And we're going to uh, to read one through twenty together. And we'll kind of kind of look at the sections of this, bigger sections. We won't break it down like I normally would on Sunday morning, but, but there's a lot of good meat here. I'll pray for us first. Father, thank you so much for your glory and your grace. And uh, God, it is, it is just so humbling to be able to come before you and gather together with others and, and worship you. God, I thank you just uh, for this time of the year where, where God, you're, you want us to slow down and, and look and see more clearly Jesus. So, God, I pray you'd help us to do that tonight. I hope you'd help us prompt in our heart to do that every day uh, this, this whole month, God, so that it becomes a lifestyle that we carry on after Christmas and into the new year, that, that Jesus is what we treasure and Jesus is what we seek and Jesus is who we obey. So God, guide us through the word tonight. Guide us through our discussion. God, we pray it's fruitful and that we're filled with joy because of it. We pray it all in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so Luke chapter 2, verses 1. Through 20. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. 
This first registration took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth into Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You'll find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angel had left them and returned to heaven, uh, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off, and they found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. But Mary treasured these things up in her heart and meditated on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Pretty, pretty powerful passage. First question I want to ask uh, for discussion, and uh, if you answer, please speak up a little bit, uh, is this, what stands out in this passage? What, what stood out to you as we read that? Maybe something you, do, you catch every time you, you read it, maybe something that uh, you didn't. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you mine first as you kind of think about that, uh, what stood out to you. Uh, mine was this, and you'll catch this, it's kind of a, it's not a blooper reel, it's just kind of a, a go, reverting back to the way I know this scripture, right? Uh, when the angels appear to the shepherds, and, uh, and you'll, you'll hear this, if you listen to my Advent devotions we recorded, uh, you'll hear me say this, and it's not what's in the scripture here, but it's what's in the old scripture. Remember the Peanuts cartoon, the, the Christmas story? And right, Linus gets up, he drops his blanket, and he says, don't, does anyone know what Christmas is all about? And then he reads this passage out of Luke, doesn't he? And, and he says this, he says, in the same region, shepherds were staring out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks at night, the angel of the Lord, and here's what he says, the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. That's, that's what they say. So uh, I, every time I, what stands out to me is, is just that I know it in a different translation and I, I read it. I've got to really concentrate on the words. Even again today as I, I read that, I had to, had to say what's here. The glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified, right? So that always stands out to me. What are some of the things that stand out to you? That's right, yeah. Yeah, whenever an angel appears, yeah, they say, don't be afraid, right? Fear not. Yeah, and they oftentimes, what's interesting about that also, often angels, when they appear, people will, will go flat on their face or they'll bow down, and angels will instruct them, no, no, don't, don't bow, stand, stand up. You don't bow to me, I'm just an angel. I'm a created being, one of God's messengers, right? Yeah, but don't, don't be afraid. What else? Leslie, you got anything there that stands out? 
Right. 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 Yeah, the shepherds, the shepherds, they left their sheep. Yeah, the, these shepherds out in the fields left their sheep and this lowly job they had. And it, was a, it was a very vital job, but a lowly position. Um, it's interesting how God approaches the humble, isn't it? God approaches the lowly, not, not those who, who could care less because they are taken care of. But this good, this good news of great joy, they had to, they had to know. What, what is this good news of great joy? And they, they, they obeyed. They left and went and checked it out. What else? Yeah, the news of great joy. Good news of great joy. Yeah, something big is happening. Something really big is happening. Well, let's let's go through. So, so, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Mary in particular, right? Mary treasured these things up in her heart and meditated on them. Yeah, that's that's a, an amazing thing too. Well, let's let's go through verses one through seven. And, uh, and, and let's talk about that for a minute. You know, it says there's a decree that went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole uh, empire should be registered. First registration took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each in his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and the family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant, right, and was pregnant. Um, while they were there, while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. So she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him tightly in cloth and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Um, so let's think about this. Let's talk through this a little bit. I, I mentioned this kind of in the devotions and the Advent thing as well. What we see is God moving heaven and earth and kings and rulers so that Joseph and Mary would get to Bethlehem, Right? We see that happen. Like Mary and Joseph are, are engaged. She's pregnant, and there's a whole conspiracy and scandal going on in Nazareth. There's no reason for them to leave. They're poor. They're not going to make that journey. But there now becomes a reason. And, and God has set this up. God has orchestrated. God has, God has told us through, uh, through all of time as he's prophesied about the Messiah, uh, and we see that he is going to be born in Bethlehem. That's, that has to take place. So they have to get to Bethlehem, and, and what better reason than God moving heaven and earth to say, well, everyone's got to go to their home city. So Joseph had to go with Mary up to Bethlehem. And they get there, right? And I, I mentioned uh, in, in my devotion as well, as you'll see later, that, that it's interesting that God moved heaven and earth, and then they get to Bethlehem, and they're there, and they end up in a stable, right? And he's born in this barn and, and gets put in a trough. And, and I, I wonder sometimes, like, why, if God moved heaven and earth, why in the world didn't he give him a, a hotel suite? Right, if God would have done that. But there's something about the obscurity of the birth of Christ, something about the humility and the condescension uh, from heaven, from the thrones of heaven, the riches of heaven, from, the God, as, from being God of the universe to coming down to earth and putting on human flesh. I want to read a passage out of 2 Corinthians for you. And uh, it's, it's interesting because it kind of goes along with what we're talking about, this humility of God in Christ as he was born and placed in a manger. In 2 Corinthians 8, 9, the word says this, for you know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. Now, it isn't talking about wealth. It's not talking about 
um, material, material goods and being, being of status. It's, it's talking about being able to be whole and full and righteous before God. That if you, if you harmonize Scripture and let Scripture inform all of Scripture, you will see that that is the, the riches that Christ is passing to us, His goodness and His grace. And, and He did it by becoming nothing. He became obedient to the cross. He became nothing. He put on the very nature of humanity. And I, I always mention this. Um, well, why do you think the stable? Why, why do you think the stable was the place He was born? Why do you think He was placed in a manger? Yeah, more of a humble setting. But why? Why that kind of humility? Right. They, they wanted a conquering king, not a stable boy. Th- think about this, and think about why they wanted a conquering king and not a stable boy. They felt they could fill the position of stable boy. They felt they could fill the position of of pretty good or adequate. I can be a regular poor guy. What I need is a rich ruler, a a king who's going to rule with an iron fist. That's what we're looking for here. So what's the rebuke? Why did the rich have to become poor? To set that example, right? To to say, look, look, the weakest imaginable case scenario. What could that be? Well, okay, for God, putting on human flesh. Oh, that's pretty bad, right? He, God puts on human flesh, and that's weak. Well, God putting on human flesh and becoming a teenager. Oh, man, that would be rough. No, no, God put on human flesh and well, becoming a, a, a child, right? An adolescent. That's tough, too, right? All those hormones going and being crazy. Well, no, no, God being a toddler, right? Trying to learn your ABCs, trying to talk, trying to count, trying to do your homework, trying, and trying to play at the same time. That's pretty rough. But God became a baby. God became a child, a baby born. And, and, and then not only did he become a baby born in the perfect, cleanest OB wing of the hospital, that wasn't it at all. He, he became a baby born and placed in a feeding trough, a place where animals are. And, and I've, I've mentioned this so many times, and I, I take this on just my own, in my own personal life, my own personal walk, um, I take this as a huge rebuke, personally. Why is that a rebuke to me? Because the God of the universe became the weakest, poorest imaginable. And that weakest, poorest imaginable was still tougher than my best day. And, And that's why Christ had to become low. So that those who think they're tough and think they're all that and think they can handle it themselves... Understand they can't. And they, who think they're strong, actually are in the most need of that baby Savior in the manger. Pretty amazing, that rebuke that we see right there. Going on uh, in verse 8 through 12. Actually, we'll go verse 8 through, I'm sorry, 14. <clears throat> Covered that one. Okay. Uh, It says, in the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. 
You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. Well, let's look at a couple of things going on here. Um, we look at uh, one, the angels, the angels stand, uh, stand there and said what? They, they, they appeared before the, the shepherds, the meek, the lowly, right? Those who may receive this message of great news, good news, great joy. And what did they say? Don't be afraid, right? Don't be afraid. So that's great. You ever think about that? I'm a parent, right? So I have kids who are afraid at times. And, oh, what's in the closet or what's under the bed? And they're afraid. And, and what I don't just say to my kids is, don't be scared. Does that ever fix our fear? It does not fix our fear, right? Just saying, don't be afraid, doesn't make me not afraid. That makes me think about the fear even more, usually. What was the instruction from the angels? Don't be afraid. Next two words. But look. For look. I, I want us to think about this for a minute. Uh, this idea, and this is so important for us in our, in our own lives and our own fears and our own uh, personal issues going on, our own hidden, hidden fears and hidden insecurities. Uh, what, do we, what do we do when we're usually afraid? We retreat, right? We retreat. We cover our eyes, right? It's like, I don't want to see this. I don't want to see this. And, and we, we almost we pretend it's not there, right? No, there's no, nothing to fear. We retreat. We run away. We hide from it. But what does this angel say? Don't be afraid, but look. Adjust your eyes. Open your eyes. You know, going on with our theme in, in uh, the Harmony of the Gospel series, when Jesus is there with Nathaniel under the fig tree, or when Philip invites Nathaniel, what does he say? What do you tell him? He says, "Nothing good can come from Nazareth." And then Philip says, "Come and see. Come and see." You know, when my son says, "Daddy, I'm scared. I'm afraid," and there's something in the closet, I don't tell him, "Don't be afraid. Go back to bed." Although I, I want to. I tell him, "Come here. Come and see. Let's turn the light on. Let's open the closet. Let's expose the closet for what it really is." Don't be afraid. Don't be terrified. Come and see. Come and look. Come and look. And what are, what are they coming to look at? Behold, I bring you good news of great joy. I want to read a verse, a passage out of John chapter 3, yeah, beginning at verse 16. Anyone familiar with that verse? John 3, 16. For God loved the world in this way. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he has not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. I, I want us to really think through this for a minute. This is really important. When we talk about don't be afraid, there is a fear in each one of us. There's an insecurity in each one of us. And that ultimately, is in, from our soul and as a part of our soul, is caused by sin. 
It's caused by, the, by sin and then the, knowing the consequences of sin, right? God says all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory and the wages of sin is death. And, and the last thing I want when I'm feeling like, like I'm, I'm doing okay in life, the last thing I want is for any kind of error or sin to be exposed, to be brought into the light. So think about that scared child or, or for you and I, a terrified, sinful person. If we don't want to be exposed we are going to live in fear, pretending we don't have anything going on. All the while, we, God knows fully our heart. God knows fully what's going on. And what God is wanting us fully to do is to stop being afraid and come and see Him. Open up to Him and open up to His light. What does it say there? It says, uh, anyone who believes in Him is not condemned. So we, we put a lot of self-condemnation on ourselves. We heap that burden on our shoulders and we say, no, no, God, I can't come to you. You can't see me. Or look how great I am, everybody. We also do it that way, don't we? But if we believe, we're not condemned. Anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he's not believed in the name of the one and only Son of God. It says, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. This is, this is the Christmas season. This is the season we celebrate the light coming into the world. The light is coming to the world, and people loved darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. It's not that they loved darkness, and they just, I'm just going to go, and I love this. I mean, you might meet a person or two who claims to love everything they do and every, every, the condition of their heart, but really when they're asleep on, or going to sleep on their pillow, that's not the case at all. There's a darkness and a burden and a guilt and a shame that comes in. They might say, I love it. But what, they, what they love, here's what they love. What does it mean to love the darkness? It means that I love not looking and getting perspective. I love not looking and hiding so I don't have to be confronted with my sin. I don't have to be exposed with my sin. There's a sin here of, of pride. And, and, and the sin of pride goes two different directions. This is when people love the darkness and I want to see if you identify this, because it's really easy for us to identify it in other people, but it's not so easy for us to identify it in ourselves. To so look, behold, look, stop, be, don't be terrified, but look, examine the heart. The sin of pride is in two ways. One is of righteousness. The sin of pride, it says, look at me, I'm so righteous. Look how great I am, look how well put together I am, look how eloquent I am, look how well dressed I am, look how, how good of a person I am, look how uh, well polished I am, Wh whatever it is. You, you can line up your successes. Say, look at how good I am. And what we want is for people to think we're better than we really are, and we want to try to fool ourselves into thinking that we're better than we really are too, all the while we know the depths of our heart. So there's a sin of pride in regards to our righteousness that usually is before people, because normally we know that we can't stand before God, although... There are many people who think, I'm good enough. God, Surely God will accept me. Surely I'll go to heaven because I'm a good person. That's the sin of self-righteous pride. Well, there's another sin of pride. And it's the, the opposite spectrum of this. This goes back more to the covering your eyes and being uh, cowering in, in fear. It's the sin of prideful shame. It's a sin that says, I don't want to be exposed. I don't want people to see me. I should be better than this. I should be better than this. All the while, the light came in to illuminate the darkness and to rescue you from the sin you thought you should be better of, better from, so that you could be better because He makes us new. 
that's where we ought to go. And, and we look at that, and, and let's just look at this question. Uh, how is shame, pride, sinful? How is shame, pride, or the pride, of, the pride and shame, how is that sinful? What's the attitude there? I'm right, you're wrong. Yep, I'm right, God. You're wrong, right? I, I, um, yeah, okay. What else? Not accepting that you're wrong? Yeah. And in some cases, I think it could be a little bit opposite of that even. I, I'm accepting that I'm wrong. In fact, I'm so wrong, I, I can't even go there. I won't even go there. Right? Could, because who would love me? Who would accept me? Who in the world would forgive me? Well, it goes back to John 3.16. God loved the world in this way. He gave His one and only Son that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. Who's not condemned? The one that's not condemned is the one who believes in the Son of God. Who is condemned? The one who does not believe in the Son of God. So this, this pride, this arrogant pride, whether it's self-righteous pride or it's shameful pride, keeps us from believing in the Son of God. Going back to John 1, this is obviously before John 3.16, but in John 1, uh, verses 9 through 13, we see this. It says, the true light, this is talking again about the light, right? Because when we're afraid, we should look and turn on the lights. The light that gives, uh, says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. Speaking of Jesus, he was in the world and the world was created through him. And yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. Think about that. That's what we've been talking about. What are we doing? We're, we're, we're either too self-righteous and don't need Jesus, because what we need is a big, rich, king, ruler, powerful person that's way, way more powerful than I am. I mean, I, I don't need no baby in a manger. I'm good. Thank you very much. Or it's the shameful people saying, I don't want to have anyone see my sin at all. I don't want to be rebuked at all for my sin. The light came into the world, and, and his own people did not receive him. But, in verse 12, it says, But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, to those who would believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. What an amazing promise that is. I, I usually tell people this is an equation for salvation. The light comes, shines light in the darkness. We have to... No, don't be terrified, but look and see the, our own sin and see our need for the Savior. And then it says here, he, he came to his own. It says, but all, to, all who did receive him, uh, to those who would believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. I tell, this is the question, believe plus receive equals become a child of God. That's what it takes. And it's not just, oh, I, I know of God. It's the true heart and head knowledge coming together in convergence and receiving, the Christ, receiving Christ in, in faith, trusting that what he has done, what he has accomplished is enough for me. Even the biggest rebuke ever as, as born of a baby in a manger, that he was enough for me. Why did the people not recognize him? Think about this. We're, we're in the season of Advent, time of waiting and expectantly watching for what Christ the Messiah would do. Why 
did the people not recognize him? Yeah, they, they didn't understand Scripture. Yeah. They wanted this, this rule and reign to start right now. They were looking for an earthly king, right? They didn't know the Scriptures well enough. Maybe they thought it would just be the king of Israel and he'd restore everything, but didn't see the parts in Isaiah about him being crucified for us, pierced for our transgressions. The simple answer to why didn't they see him? Why didn't they recognize him? Because they weren't looking for him. They weren't looking for him. My friends, for us, we have to look. We have to keep our eyes open every single moment, looking for the Messiah, watching for the Messiah, of course, believing and receiving the Messiah. But, but during Advent, it's, it's, it's that time of season where others are looking now too and wondering. And, and for you and I, the, the question is, what is our life going to say? What is our witness going to say? Is our witness going to say that we're afraid or that we're looking? Is our witness going to say that we fear and we're shamed or that we found the Savior and invite them to come and see? There's an invitation to come and see, and we have to offer that invitation as well. In verse 14, it's a glory to God in the highest heaven. This is the angels proclaiming this, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. It's so important to understand what this means, or, or to people in whom he's well pleased, other translations say. Christmas does not bring about peace for everyone. We think it does. We think, oh, yay, Christmas. Uh, listen, in the season of the coronavirus, I, so many people I've talked to are like, let's just get to Christmas. Let's get to Christmas. Why? Because Christmas is supposed to be happy and joy-filled and so exciting. And for a lot of people I know that believe in Jesus and love Jesus, it is. But listen, Christmas will not bring peace to everybody. It brings peace. He, Christmas brings peace, and Jesus brings peace to those, to the people he favors, to the people that, that are pleasing to him. So who's pleasing to Jesus? Well, Hebrews 11.6 says this, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So for us, to, to really embrace the promise of Christmas, that, that glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to people he favors or people that he's pleased with. We have to be people of faith who come to him open and say, I, I, I want him, I want more of him, I, less of me, more of Jesus. He's the Savior, he's the one that can fill, he's the one that can satisfy, he's the greatest treasure, he is the greatest gift anyone could get at Christmas. And see, when we express faith in him, we are the people he favors. We are the people in which he is pleased. And there will be peace for us at Christmas. Romans chapter 15, verse 13 says this. Now may the God of hope. Isn't that amazing? He's a God of hope. That's what we need right now. That's what the world needs all the time. He's the God of hope. May the God of hope 
fill you with all joy and peace. It's not just a prayer. Listen, this is not just a prayer saying, if you go to bed tonight, God, just fill my coworkers with, with joy and peace. There's, a, there's an equation here as well. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe. As you believe, as you express faith, repentant faith, joy-filled faith in Him. As you believe, so that, oh, I love the so that's, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, for, for many who, who don't believe, who don't know, who haven't seen, come, come and seen Jesus and haven't sought Him and savored Him as their treasure and Savior, this Christmas is going to be as bleak as any other Christmas without Jesus. It's going to be as dark as any other Christmas without Jesus. It's going to be as desperate and despairing as any other Christmas without Jesus. Without our eyes open to Christ, it's a desperate situation. I, here's my prayer for us. My hope for us and my hope for others is that our hearts would be open to receive the one who was sent to forgive us and to make us whole. And that we would then, through belief, we'd be filled with all joy and peace and overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because Christ is good news of great joy for all people, whoever believes. That's what I have for you guys tonight. I, I hope you're encouraged. I, I'm excited for Christmas. I can't wait. We're going to do some decorating on Friday here. I can't, I can't wait to get things started and just to keep our minds and hearts focused on Jesus. And, and I hope that you consider those people around you that God has put in your life and begin those conversations. Say, hey, can I tell you about the hope that I have? Can I tell you what I, what I believe about Christmas? Just start those conversations. Let them know about the Savior for all people. Are there, before we pray and close in prayer, are there any questions or anything to add about this? Negative? Yeah, it seemed like a short time that they were there, yeah. Well, they're there for a census, so they're there to be counted. Once they're counted, they could turn around and go, right? And, and may, maybe it was a little longer time. We don't know exactly, but it, maybe that there was complications in the pregnancy. Maybe whatever it was, God moved heaven and earth to make sure they were there and that they stayed there and that, that Jesus was born right where he was supposed to be born. And the biggest rebuke of all time for all people. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. I hope you, hope you tune in. Uh, if you're watching online, I hope you tune in to the... Uh, the Advent devotions, uh, I think today's the 2nd, right? December 2nd. So there's been two already out. Uh, out. You can go check those out on YouTube maybe after this one. Uh, check those out. And then they get delivered in your email and, or released on YouTube around 6 a.m. in the morning or 6.15 or so. So if you're getting up early, getting out of coffee and getting ready to go, uh, check out that devotion. Just kind of center your heart. It's not, it's not meant to be an end-all. It's meant to be a prompting uh, that you can just start your day off. And it's only, a, it's only 6 to 10 minutes, you know, not much time. It's a standard-sized YouTube video, so love to have you watch that and, and just be encouraged for your family and just center your hearts and your eyes on Jesus. Don't be terrified, but look. Look at Jesus.
All right. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord Jesus, we, we are so humbled and thankful for, for who you are and how you came. God, as we start this Advent season, as we start thinking of and waiting on you, and we, we know that uh, Christ is coming, and Christ has come, but God, we, we celebrate his coming. We celebrate his, his work that he's done for us, first by rebuking us in his lowly birth, but then by dying the death that we deserve to die that through faith we might have eternal life. We thank you that he didn't stay on that cross or stay in the tomb, but that he rose victoriously, conquering death once and for all, that we might, through faith in Christ, be heirs with Christ and spend eternity with Jesus. We thank you that you are our hope, that you are our joy and our peace. And God, we pray that you would help us to overflow with all all the hope to everyone around us by the power of your spirit. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, guys. God bless you.